Mr. or Mrs. Listener, we accept the fact that you're going to sacrifice a whole hour to listen to this podcast, but we think you are crazy. In the simplest terms, you see us as you want to see us. A Ninja Turtle, a Jedi, a Redhead, a Mike. Sincerely yours, Redhead Family Therapy Guy, and a Mike. Don't you forget about the bugger. You better listen to this thing. It's gonna be great. Well, here we are. We're here for another podcast. Dude, I'm excited. This is gonna be a good one. <laughs> I'm the red. Well, this is the Redhead Family Therapy Guy. And a Mike. I'm John. I'm Michael. Dude. I'm the so secret psyched. of Nim. I'm so excited. <laughs> and I'm so more excited. So much more excited than I thought I was going to be because I fell in love with this movie all over. I hadn't seen it a long time. Me too. And I fell in love with it all over again. It was so definitely... Is it this... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, is it The Secret of the Nim or Secret of Nim? It's The Secret of Nim. Oh, the Secret of Nim. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I... This movie was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs nostalgic for me because I think yeah. this was this was definitely the first movie I went to the movie theater without my parents I was like six or seven so my brother would have been like 11 or 12 uh-huh. and he and I went with like one of his friends That's and I cool. remember I remember we got in trouble like we were like it was empty like we're, there weren't a lot of people there and I remember like they got in trouble because they were like throwing popcorn or something, but I didn't even notice <laughs> because I was like, you were enthralled. I was enthralled, dude. I was all into the show. And so I didn't even know, but I remembered that that happened, that they like got yelled at or got in trouble or something. Yeah, they were, like, I remember. Throwing. So, so there were different, uh, mouse movie i don't know if it was just like kind of the thing back then, but remember there was American tell. With yeah, Fievel. that was later. That was later, though. That wasn't like released at the same probably time. Probably late yes. 80s, something like that. Mm-hmm. This one, I think, was early 80s. But there were a lot more, I feel like, mouse movies back then. Maybe there's still a lot of mouse movies now. I just am not paying attention Man. as much. Well, but it was Secret, Ratatouille. Yeah, Ratatouille. <laughs> Secret of Nim, yes, is very nostalgic. I feel like I watched that. I don't remember if I saw it in the theater or not. I, I can't I remember did. That. I do remember but seeing it. I remember and then I remember how it. excited I was when it, I was it, we were able to get it on video, like after VHS became a thing and, and we totally got it. Yeah, I remember watching it on video constantly. It was mm-hmm. definitely a favorite of mine for, mm-hmm. <laughs> for years. And uh, yeah, I haven't seen it for a long time. I don't even remember the last time I saw it. So it was really fun to watch yeah, it again. Super fun. Did you watch with your kids? No, I watched it on my own. I watched it with my kids, and how was um, that? They, uh, they had all seen it before because uh-huh. it's because it's one we've watched a lot. My my Emmanuel really liked this movie a lot, and That's so cool. but they all watched it with me, and we talked we talked a lot about it um, while we were watching it and whatnot. So that's fun. <sighs> so much, but see, one of the things <laughs> I think one of the reasons why I think this movie is so good especially for kids and this might sound different but is because it's such a dangerous movie like like ms brisby 
mm-hmm. and and the vignettes or the different scene changes in the story except for like one or two moments in the story it is always fraught with danger it is it's, it's pretty fast-paced action movie yeah for there's just anime. there's just tons of danger all yes. the time it's just dangerous and there's you know there's there's all of these things that are happening that um that are like you know they could die you know i mean it it opens with her son being sick and then you know then there you know, there's dragon the cat and then there's yes uh, you know uh the tractor and they're trying to disarm the tractor and then the dragon the cat later in the movie and you know just constant like every scene change you know the great owl oh it seems so good like i remember like seriously being like terrified by the owl like and it yeah really that whole was, scene with the spider that he squishes yeah that's and... the part like that, i remember being like oh like you, you could we're picking up a theme for me like mushy squishy yes. is not, yeah. and it totally activated that part of like oh i remember as a kid being like oh, it's yeah. like, the music for sure that for some oh, reason the farm like the aerial farm shots that they would do that those moments were really nostalgic to me like i'm like holy cow i feel like i'm a kid again watching this yes and the music is just it and the music is able to be like comforting and like serene and spring in a a rural farm but then Uh also dangerous like they use the same uh melody in both uh in both places you know mm-hmm. like they just change the tempo or change the the octave and add some minors or whatever and it gets more like you know oh, yeah so good and the thing that really just like set me ablaze when i started is nicodemus man and those those yeah. fingers and and his magical writing his without voice. writing his voice like his voice oh, the soft-spoken so wise voice that was really nostalgic like, for me just hearing that again so good yeah so oh, it's back so to good a kid it's so powerful and it just sets the stage for the mystery right because you've got this mysterious and it's and a lot of things too like i think the thing that's interesting about this movie with the animals and the magic is it's like in a human world like a lot Mm -hmm. of times there'll be it'll be another world that these animals will be in it'll be like you know our mortal world but but this one like really was like the people were people and just unawares right you know which is like what the secret of nim is all about right nim was aware right of something going on (laughs) but the the farm owners yeah they seemed a little devious (laughs) and i think there's so many more levels like i wanted to do excuse me i wanted to do more research and see if more had kind of been written about the themes of this movie because i think there's so many more we i think we might have we might have to talk about it again like honestly we might just have to do it again um because i just think there's so much to talk about but one of the themes did anything in particular stand out to you there was a big theme that stood out to me that i think it would be cool to kind of organize some of our talking about or some of what we dig into so but was there any themes that stood out to you or like what was uh was the opening scene like what grabbed you from from your watch this time there was a yeah a couple of themes that really jumped out to me uh and real quick i just want to say this before i forget i've been sick and so my mm. mind my mind is like kind of told you yeah half <laughs> of michael's still a still a fool <laughs> thanks john <laughs> it's something that's for sure i uh, but i something you're I something to, buddy. <laughs> 
I, I wanted to, I remember this as I got older, like, especially as a teenager and a young adult kind of as I, I would, I watched this movie a couple of times, but I haven't seen it for probably 15, 20 years. But anyways, I uh, wanted to just say that I think it's interesting. So Will Wheaton plays Martin, the, the brother, the one boy, that's not sick timothy's the sick one right so he plays the voice of martin and shannon care about the dragon i don't care about the farmer exactly i don't care about about whatever her the busybody lady that yes shows up. and shannon Doherty Shrew. voices the uh, uh she uh teresa the one of the sisters and Which, who are they? I, I don't so, know that so I Will Wheaton is, um, he's from Star Trek Next Generation. He uh, plays Wesley Crusher, which was always cool to me as a kid because he which one's was Wesley Crusher. Wesley Crusher's the smart kid. That, oh, the daughter, that the becoming, son of the, the son of, um, yes, the what? son of the doctor. Yep. The son of the, yeah, doctor that's on, it. Oh, that's him as a kid. Yeah. Yep. Oh, so wow. as I think he would have been like nine or 10 when he yeah. probably narrated this. Yeah. That, so I thought yeah. that I've always thought that was really cool. And then Shannon Doherty, uh, Doherty, I don't know how she pronounces it. I think it's Doherty, but she is, um, oh, this is where we need Heidi. Uh, she's from 90210 and she oh, plays, I, didn't watch the, it. I think they're twins, the brother and sister. I think it's, I can't remember what her name is on that. I should know, but my brain's too scattered. So she's from yeah. 90210 and, and oh, also Charmed. Of course, she played Charmed later, um, which is the witch sisters show. Um, oh, but yeah. Will Wheaton, I always thought was cool that he voiced that. That is cool. So themes. Um, yeah, what stood out to you or what was like the nostalgic button pusher for you? So nostalgic, the nostalgic parts were probably... Um, hearing the voices like definitely hearing nicodemus's voice um seeing like i said that that farm shot like from the aerial farm shot with the music playing during that that was really nostalgic yeah. um the uh, of course the um what's the the red necklace thing called the char or the oh what does the, he call it yeah that like when when the you know w when the the love oh the song the theme song right about love can heal all or something like that that playing right at the end when when the mm -hmm. home is sinking in the mud and the the charm or whatever it is lights up that was really interesting. there's a lot of yeah, nostalgic like charm parts. or medallion what do they call it in the movie i can't think of what it's called us. it'll come to us as we talk about yeah but, but i think yes go so theme no, no. theme um there were a couple really big themes. So one to me is, um, so how would I phrase this? I think one big theme was uh, a woman uh, hero, right? And not just a woman, single but single a, sing mom hero. a single mom. Here and we are then, with the single moms again, right? This yes. Is like, this is something that's really been consistent in a bunch of the movies, right? I So that was really interesting. And then, what really stood out to me was the way she was treated by the men, the rats. Yes. Yeah. Well, even well, the, the mouse, the doc. Uh, what was his? Oh yeah, character's um, name. He really, he was really dismissive, wasn't he? 
Mr. Ages. Dr. Ages. Mr. Ages. Dr. Ages. Just how, yeah, just how he was very like kind of dismissive. And and in my work, so I'm a clinical social worker. So I do therapy, of course, clinical work, but in social work, it's pretty broad. So we do a lot of different things. So in my career, I've done, um, well, therapy the whole time, but I've also done work where I've done like voc rehab type stuff. And I've worked with um, mothers who maybe have, um, maybe they're widowed now, or they've gotten a divorce recently, or their husband lost their job, especially back 2000, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten. husbands losing job and jobs in Vegas, especially really good income jobs. And it's a service industry town. So not a lot of them had had really certifications or education to fall back on to find other work. So wives having to, to come into play that maybe had been at home or been working part-time and not been responsible for more income uh, outside of the home. So yeah. I feel like it was really interesting watching this movie and seeing how she, Miss Brisby, Mrs. Brisby was treated by some of these male, the male mouse and the male rats, kind of this dismissive, like, oh, it's mm-hmm. just you, 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 it's not a big deal, just do it. Like, you just got to do it. Not really yeah. considering how much work yeah. a mother does. Right. Um, that's not what I think we typically characterize as like work, right? Like a paid income, but how much responsibility, how much emotional um, and physical uh, drain there is on a mom. And really any woman is a mom, you know, it's, it's not about having <laughs> kids or birthing kids as much as just how a woman uh, interacts and, and leads, leads others. And so, you know, I found that really interesting because in my experience with a lot of these women I worked with, especially in that time frame of like 07, 08, 09, uh, 2010, when the economy was really depressed, just to see how I feel like oftentimes women were just expected to just kind of deal with it um, and treated so much differently than I feel like men were treated and and i don't i'm not trying to get too i guess political here political, yeah. but the theme of that in this movie really struck home to me because it really exemplified for me and magnified the heroicism of mrs yeah. brigsby being more than just being the traditional type of hero that we think well, of but she's a hero beyond measure because not only is she being like what we think of as traditionally heroic and saving the day. She's yeah. literally caring for people without any support. She's mm-hmm. doing it all on her own. Well, and, and I she, think that's characteristic of a well, lot and of she women. Was, and she was wonderful to all of the characters. Like she was even, even the other ancillary characters, she was still wonderful. She was wonderful to the, is it Dom DeLuise that does the voice of uh, the crow? Um, oh yeah the crow so uh, yes i forgot the crow is jeremy definitely nostalgic jeremy too, right yes yeah <laughs> like you know like she's wonderful to all the characters and well yeah, and she was least. and uh and auntie shrew also was you know a hero uh, in her own right as well you know mm-hmm. she was a pain in the butt and and kind of annoying or 
or a gossip well, or whatever kind of but fed she's into still, that rhetoric too of kind of just you got to do it like well i don't know if it's so much rhetoric or just a reality of like hey like you know your husband is gone and the plow is coming so like you got to do it like or you're gonna die well, so and like, i, I know. get that but it's it's like too bad i can't help you you're inconveniencing me that's the rhetoric it's like hey sure you know but that wasn't with, the case because Mr. she still showed up right because like the reality is is um in the one scene of the when the plow was coming um like uh mrs brisby froze up she froze up on the tractor and was unable and and auntie shrew was the one yeah. that released the fuel she, so she really she, was the hero in she, that scene yep and, and it's really like helped because it's like it's this it's this rhetoric of oh my goodness you're putting me out right now you're really causing sure. a lot of burden on me and you're sure. saying this to a mother right who's uh, raising yeah, right. <laughs> four kids on her own after With a her, sick husband and her husband just died dead. yeah that's kind of the awful. rhetoric i'm talking about yeah, which is kind of characteristic i think of culture where i feel like it's kind of like a, a woman like asking for something it's like oh you're just kind of burdening me i already have so much i have to do and and yet not even recognizing all that she may be doing and yet she's asking in humility i feel like miss brisby oh, is absolutely and that's kind yeah, of the rhetoric no pretense. that i was seeing yeah mm -hmm. there's no pretense there's no expectation yeah. it's just a genuine plea and someone that like helped jeremy the crow and yep. you know like you know faced just out of the goodness of her heart she's yeah, faced and off she loves. against yeah dragon in the moment yep. you know when he shows up there it's it's totally true that she's feel, such an altruistic altruistic character and i feel like for me and in, in my life that's what i've seen a lot of like my wife constantly doing things constantly working hard but maybe mm -hmm. doesn't even see her own value at times like see how yeah, much absolutely. she does feels like she absolutely. doesn't do enough feels like absolutely. she's falling short i mean that's I the narrative of, of women right like that's the narrative we hear all the time and i i feel like that's kind of what stood out to me this time in this movie was look how heroic she is she's the hero and yet she still has to deal with this culture that's within this rat mouse world right <laughs> and and i think you know it's not a far stretch maybe from but, the real world. well i think the other thing sure and that but i think also too like you know the the honorable noble male characters weren't that way you know mm -hmm. um nicodemus though it though it was kind of bothersome to me that nicodemus had all of this like awareness and was like kind of in this magical mysterious way like drawing her to him yeah but like didn't like get more involved but if he's kind of a god figure then maybe he's allowing the process of growth to happen versus jumping in and, and saving her which would have been nice and we need to do and and jump in and help people but also sometimes we need this wilderness journey that is tragic and heavy and too much because it it calls yeah. forth something within us which which in this in in the progression of these scenes mrs brisby becomes someone that becomes well adjusted and and a voice for herself and career and 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 i think well, the theme of the movie that really jumped out for me this time was courage was is taking up courage and which 
you know, besides freezing in that one scene, which is completely understandable, um, you know, she is calling forth courageously all the time, you know, particularly the scene um, when she faces off and volunteers and then faces off against dragon and, and gets caught and then escapes. And, and it's a good thing she got caught because she had the information about Nim coming to, um, you know, uh, dive into and, and, and look into the rats on the farm, uh, which of course, you know, there's all this intrigue that happens because of, of the, in, the political inner workings of the rat society or whatever. But, but for me, this, this theme that was really, I, I saw and felt a lot of that, that you're touching on as well. Um, but the thing that stood out to be about Mrs. Brisby is just the altruistic courage, um, even, even after the, you know, her house falls and it's in the mud and it starts sinking, you know what I mean? It's, it's still, you know, there's something that's stirred within her, um, that is ignited, you know? And yeah. And I think what's really interesting about this is that the, you know, she, she is who she is. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's unrealized heroicism, right? Unrealized mm -hmm. courage that's brought out through these events. And I think that for me is, is what I see within so many women and, and men, right? I mean, lots of clients I work with, but particularly women, how much courage they have to continue to do what needs to be done, despite the circumstances they may be in. And I feel like that unrealized courage, when realized, can move homes, right? It can mm -hmm. lift move mountains, it can save, it can create miracles. And, and they are, you know, fully realized as the heroes that they are in their, their each of their lives and in, in our lives as we get to work with them. And I think that, um, you know, I think with Nicodemus, going back to your point, I think that if he were kind of like this godlike figure, I could see how he may not get too involved because he would want to offer up the opportunity, not just for Miss Brisby to learn and grow, but for others to be able to either support or not support, therefore, in their right. own journeys, being able to learn and grow or not. Right. Or and show forth their colors, right? Exactly. Show forth who they are, because he knows mm -hmm. the intrigue that's happening in the interpolitical workings yeah. of the rat world. And he's letting it be. I think he even knows that his demise is coming, right? Mm -hmm. So the inscription on the back of the medallion is courage of the heart is very rare. The stone has the power when it's there. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So I don't think I figured this out, but what do you, cause there's no history of the medallion. It doesn't play into the NIMS. It's this other magical thing that they introduce. What do you make of all that? Do you think that's just a symbolic thing that they put in? Like, you know, cause I mean, you know, I think it gives is... you something tangible to see as a, a movie viewer, right? It gives you something to to be able to focus and, the courage around yes yeah it 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 becomes more real because i think in life courage the the miracles that we see oftentimes aren't that seeable maybe we don't even recognize them that often yeah and the so i about... think of women constantly are miracles you know i so many women i'll work with 
whose maybe husbands won't even come into therapy, right? And they're just mm-hmm. coming in doing everything they can to hold the family together, survive. And the husband's doing what he can too. But oftentimes, I think that women and, and, and men, I think we do things that are miraculous, and we just don't see. And so I think in movie form, that really pushes that narrative into something tangible that we can see and we can understand. Where in real life, I think a lot of times we miss those things because they're not as tangible. Mm, yeah. It's it's profound and it's interesting. Uh, it's an interesting metaphor. And, and I guess it does just, it gives the idea of courage a place to, to organize around or play out through, right? Because one of the things about courage, and I talk about it, all the time is one of my ask, like I have this whole thing that I do when I talk about resilience and courage is one of the C's. I have like the five C's that I talk about and um, courage is one that I think I, I is one I speak very briefly on. Cause to me, it's like courage isn't developed, mm-hmm. right? Courage is just something you do in the moment because you can't not do it. Right. It's, it's always interesting if you hear an interview of someone that is as touted as courageous, somebody that runs into a burning building or does, you know, pushes a kid out of the way of a car and gets hit or something, you know, people will want to, you know, fall all over that person and sing their praise. And, and usually the heroes are really uncomfortable with that attention. And I think the reason why is because I think individuals that mag that manifests courage in a moment of danger think well i'm not courageous because i was scared to death you know like i was scared to death to go in the burning building but i had to act courageously because i couldn't live with myself if i didn't it wasn't really like a choice it was like it's almost like courage is a manifestation of your moral fiber because it's like you, you, I don't know if you cultivate it. It's like, because to me, courage is simply doing it. Even if you're terrified, it's like, you know, that moment yeah. or when or you like, go to, when you go to the cliffs with your friends and it's like, are you going to jump or you're not going to jump? Sure. And, and it's like, you don't know what's going to happen, you know? And like, either you do it or you don't do it. If you don't, then it's like fear wins if you do it, you were courageous and you did it. It's like, I don't know if there's any working up to that. Like when the moment comes, you just do the thing that's terrifying and scary. And then you learn. And it, you know, I think oftentimes courage shows in my office for those who say no, when everyone's saying yes, they do what, what is right for them and not what everyone's telling them to do. They have the courage to stand and to say no for whatever situation that might be courage is saying, I'm going to go to therapy, even though I don't know what this is about, or this is scary, or how's this person going to even help me. But I know that I need something more. So I think courage, yes, is really that innate sense in the of doing like- something that's uncomfortable, that you believe will result in, in potential movement forward. Right. In regards to going to therapy, like uh, in regards to like anything in life. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think it's doing the scary. It's like, to me, it's like facing off against Goliath and, and just doing it. 
Yeah. Like even, but, but even Goliath, if it, even if it Goliath means death. Goliath could be an ant. Uh, sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah the, you're, the, you Goliath, uh, the Goliath of mm -hmm. your life, whatever that is, which for Mrs. Brisby in the show was quite a different, quite a few different things. I mean, she, she had, she went to the rats and asked for help and was faced down by, you know, the Vorpal staff wielding like well, silent even, rats. Even before that, just journeying to the uh, Dr. Mouse guy. Yeah, that, Mr. That Mr. Took, Ages. Dr. Mr. Ages. Ages, just getting to Mr. Ages took courage. Mm -hmm. And him saying no and her standing pushing. steadfast, yeah. right? Yeah, pushing and, for and something. And really trying. And, and then, you know, I think that our, you know, the courage throughout this movie starts and i think oftentimes we automatically in our minds go to well courage is her um her volunteering to uh to put the medicine in uh dragon dragon's, dragon's food. uh food yeah that's courageous but she's Absolutely. been showing courage the whole, oh, the whole time. time well i, and that's I think what that's I think, what's I think... beautiful about this movie mm -hmm. is that it yeah. exemplifies this there's so much courage that goes unseen and that we don't recognize mm -hmm. and I, that was i think the theme that i saw from the start absolutely she is doing things and being this hero and i don't think as a kid i realized that that heroicism started well before she helped the rats of nim Right. Yeah, no, no. I, I think that I think that courage is manifested in every scene where there's danger, right? I think that was like I think it's so important to expose kids to these themes of danger and to show forth courage and uncertainty and and that you can cultivate, develop, and learn and grow as you courageously fight uh, face off against the uncertain things, the uncertainty of going to ask. Um, Dr. Ages, who won't give you the time of day because he's a scientist guy that doesn't want to pay you any mind or facing off against the tractor. Like, what are you going to do? They don't even know what machinery is, but she's like, I, I have to do something because I can't move my son because he's going to die. And Yeah. Uh, going The uncertainty of asking the rats, you know, for help. And, and then, you know, the uncertainty of going to face uh, the great owl, which to me is like the epitome of courage of, of getting that idea. And where did she get the idea from? Where did the idea come from? Did it come go, from Nicodemus? I think somehow. Yeah, but he's like, but he's like casting the idea of. But yeah, like, I can't uh, remember. Like somehow where, got. What to was her. the scene? What was the scene before that? Oh, it's gonna drive me nuts, and I'm not gonna remember where that idea came. Yeah, from. Yeah, I don't really remember. I just remember thinking, how did she actually hear that from? No, him? somebody suggested it. And I think that what's interesting to me is that the the courage the courageousness of of those who have lost a spouse or who have been divorced who still have children to care for just getting up that next day mm -hmm. and just striving to do something how much courage that shows and i think oftentimes maybe we don't um we don't i guess visualize or see how much heroism is involved in that. And I think that for me is the most courageous thing is that she just lost her husband and yet she's right there caring mm -hmm. for and taking care of her family. And in doing that, she ends up saving all these rats also, right? Saves all these people. But the, the heroic thing and the courageous thing to me was 
she was doing what moms do yeah just like the common day. day absolutely sure and yet yeah. how often do we view that as heroic or courageous as a mm-hmm. culture yeah and i think sure. that's kind of my thought with this movie was wow this theme of heroism this female hero this mother hero this widow hero and how her heroism is based in the things that I view as just common day things that my wife does. And yet I don't know that she feels like a hero a lot of times. And I don't know how much I tell her she's a hero. <laughs> I view her as a hero. Well, repent, how much Michael, do I, and I do a better that. job of and affirming your sure. wife and her courageous awesomeness. And I you think typical male husband. Exactly. And I think that's <laughs> the culture though, right? That, that, I see oftentimes, not only at work, but even in, I think, our society. And so it's really interesting and really empowering for me to watch this movie now and to see these things and to think, my goodness, I want to make an effort to recognize that more often in the women that I speak with to help them feel my respect and love for them uh, because I don't think they get enough of it. So that was kind of yeah. my thing well, that really well, was And that's awesome. But movie. let's also remember, like this movie came out in the early 80s, man. So uh-huh. somebody was celebrating because it's like not it's not like that 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 message wasn't intentional, right? So sure. somebody was singing this message in the early 80s. You know yep. what I mean? So it's yeah. not like it's not like just in 2020, somebody's it was 40 years ago. Yep. And I mean, really, yeah, this is the 40 year anniversary year of and it, the release and it of that died movie. with that person. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt the it. point being, it's not a common thing. It's not What's been not in the work thing? I've done. You the mean message. the celebration of it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely yeah, I, not. Yeah. So I think, uh, so it was actually, so it was Mrs. Uh, it was, it was Auntie um, Shrew that suggests that she go talk to the great owl. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah she's right. the one that she suggests which is like it's like this insane crazy thing for her uh-huh. <laughs> which i love i love i love that you know i love the i love that whole and i love that the owl like respected her um respected her request even though he like could have ate her for lunch you know that it was like i have to go eat my snow yeah. But, you know, I answered your question. At the Which one interesting part to the Al scene that kind of jumped out to me was he didn't really pay her any time a day until she said, I'm Miss Brisby or Mrs. Brisby. Oh, oh yeah. Cool. Well, oh, it was his friend. Jonathan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like because it was his friend, you know, no, and there's a yeah. there's a tie. There's a tie. There's this there's this um, correlation because Nicodemus was friends with her husband as well. And um, they both had red eyes. You know, there's this theme of red eyes. Sure. And my um, hope would friendship be and that if I were ever in a place of power and someone in need came to me, I'd help them regardless of that. So that's what stood sure. out to me. But I get, yeah. I get the tie. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's an owl, and she's like lunch. You Let's not I mean? be so owls then, right? Yeah, like yeah. I mean, <laughs> Let's I don't not treat, be owls. <laughs> I don't treat other humans like they're my food. And so I don't really give them any mind, you know, pay them any mind. I think that that's, you know, it's, I mean, I guess you could interpret it as a, 
as a treatise on men and how they treat women, or it's an owl. I don't view surfboard. that. I view that kind of as a survival mentality where in, in our day and age and, and forever, I think that it's easy to go to a mind of what I need to survive is more important than what this person who's in need is coming to me for, regardless mm -hmm. of it's male, female. And I think that's something that stood out to me also within that scene was this idea of, I don't want to be an owl. I think we all are owls, just primitively speaking, but mm -hmm. we don't have to be owls, right? I think sure. that's what why we do the work we do is we try not to be. Well, and, I want to be an owl because they're just wise and cool. I want to turn my head 360 <laughs> degrees or, or 180 the, degrees or whatever. <laughs> move your house to the lee of the stone. <laughs> How are they going to move my house? But I, I feel like there's constant themes and constant messages in this movie that I watched all the time as a kid that I, now I watch it. I'm like, holy cow, like, so is this much written cool for stuff. kids? <laughs> or is well, it I, I think adults? so. Really, I mean, I mean really it, awesome. it, it absolutely was because I loved it as a kid and I watched mm -hmm. it a million times. And I think, I think the, I think the message of, you know, and not maybe being um, awake to the idea of, of the struggle of, of the woman that you, you know, that you highlight, like, I identified with the, the timidity and the fear of confronting anything, you know, and, and realizing that you have this timid mouse, you know, cause mouse, you know, they scurry around and, you know, they, they hide and, you know, and, and that, she, and that this mouse is, you know, standing up and facing death, you know, for the love of, of their son. And, and, and I think that that is the beautiful story of the unsung mother, you know, like we were talking about with um, Kevin, you know, that that there are stories to be told. And I think this is a wonderful movie where that story is being told of of courageous women giving all and sacrificing all and facing, you know, off, you know, against, un, you know, incredible odds um, for the love of, of family and doing it a lot on their own, like you're pointing up. And so when well, it is yeah, relatable I, I, to all of us, right? Because I mean, I, I, well, I, was I, I mean, it did boy as a loved it. Yeah. And it's, you know, heroicism is heroicism, right? And, and especially when you like, you're talking about a, a, a mouse, right? It's, you know, you think about, you think about mice, and you think about rats, right? Rats are bigger, they're scarier to me. Um, I, when I when I've seen rats, I'm like, eh, I'd rather do mice are smaller, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that you think about it's, it's this mouse, that becomes the hero, right? That which saved. I definitely felt as like a seven-year-old yeah. or whatever. I think that's I what rings true for all of us is this theme yeah. of there Feeling is small. a hero inside each of us. Yeah. And how do we recognize and access that to be able to do those courageous acts on, on a day-to-day -day basis? And so, yeah, I think it definitely is translatable to anyone who watches it, which is, I think, a really cool thing about this movie is that it speaks so much to single mother, but it, as a young boy, I was infatuated with yeah, this movie. Totally. Yeah, it and me. it didn't matter if it was a single mom or not, right? Or, I was yeah, like, was holy cow, identified. she's freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was just a character I identified with. But yeah. I, I think, too, like, um, I think, it, what do you... 
I, I'm curious what you, so I'm going to switch gears for a, sure. for a second. So the inner workings of the political, um, the political intrigue in the rat society, what do you think, was it Jenner that was the lead of the opposition and not wanting to leave the, the rose bush? And so yeah, Nicodemus had this vision of, of moving to uh, Thorn Valley. Mm-hmm. And Jenner was the opposition and saying, you know, we don't need to leave, um, you know, after his demise and the betrayal and Nicodemus yeah, he wants to stay in is the killed. Thorn bush. Yeah, he wants to stay in the rose. Yeah, the rose garden, the rose, rose bush. bush. Mm-hmm. And so, what do you think that like is about? Like, what do you, what do you, do you take anything away from this, this, this pull of wanting to stay? And there's even this suggestion of like killing the 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 farmer. You know what I mean? If he's going to try to pull up the rose bush, well, we could kill him. That's thrown out there. I think in their council or whatever, like, what is that? Does that, does that hit you with anything? Or did you think about that? Or did you, were you reflecting on that at all? So I don't know. I mean, I'll tell you what it, it kind of like what I thought about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know necessarily if that speaks to kind of like the political nature of kind of what was going on, the strife within their, you know, the rats of NIM organization type thing. But for me, that to, to me really represents how we are. Our minds are creatures of habit. They like ritual. They like uh, the same thing. And, and that in some way create rituals, you know, become relieving to our mind. And that's why habits can be so hard to change at time because our mind becomes addicted to that ritual and to the whole or just releases. there's a need, there's this need in the human uh, psyche or psychology for stability and predictability, right? Well, so that, that sense goes of order yeah, to like attachment theory. Of, and, and, you know, when, when we don't have stability, then yeah, there's going to create anxiety and fear and discomfort for mm-hmm. sure. And so for me, I feel like Jenner represents this, you know, kind of natural thing our brain does, which is resist change Mm -hmm. and want to stay status quo and keep that status quo the same as possible. And I think in our lives, oftentimes the growth that comes and the stretch that comes with change is really helpful healthy to mm-hmm. our progression in life. And I Absolutely. think that our brains fight that. And so that's kind of what that represented to me was this fight of, of kind of our natural instinct to not change and to have status quo, to have that ritual, to have that consistency. When in this particular case, that stretch or that change was life-saving to them. And, and there are plenty of times when our stretch or change, maybe it's not life-saving, but it is progression building and how often Mm -hmm. do we resist that change for a desire for status quo or stability when that stretch and discomfort that would come with that change would actually allow us to have some progression in our life that would probably lead to greater fulfillment and comfort and Mm -hmm. peace that's kind of my take from that but well and i think the added layer yeah i'm with you in that same regard thinking the same thing the only the other thing that i would add to that discussion and reflection is that Nicodemus's Nicodemus 
and his desire to go to Thorn Valley is a progression out of this lower state of subsistence where they're stealing, right? Because like yeah. Justin talks about like, yeah, like, you know, we have all this neat technology, we're doing us, but we're stealing, we're stealing this electricity. And, and so I think Nicodemus's call is a call of of progression out of a low yeah. state, like this moral awareness of uh, I've become more aware, I've gained this endowment of intelligence from Nim, let's say, uh, and it could be interesting to kind of reflect on what that could be and what's going on there. But I've been experimented on, I've gained this gift of knowledge, right? And then there's this whole escape and journey uh, out of Nim. And I, one of the parts of the movie that terrified me as a kid in this mysterious, like what happened is like how some of the mice and rats just get sucked down into the abyss of the ventilation shafts and we're never yeah. seen again it was like this like they this, could this do sucking. spinoffs <laughs> they could do like maybe they lived but it was just yeah. like it was just this dangerous like unknown right like yeah. i think it was just this notion of unknownness like where do you go when you die like i don't know they disappeared and they were never heard from again and so i think it's this this commentary on and i think there's this push and pull of order and this new opportunity of cultivating a new society. And I think it's also this moral awakening of, okay, well, we've gained knowledge, we have progression, and we've gained moral knowledge that it's not all right for us to subsist on theft. And Jenner's like, whatever, they're lowly, you know, they're humans, like, you know, who cares? And, and Nicodemus has this awareness and Justin and some of the others, um, you know, and it's interesting, too, because even as Jenner, you know, plans the treachery, and I can't remember the the other rat that was his sidekick that was like kind of going along yeah, with it. Yeah, he kind of ended up being a good a guy, hero. a hero at the end. Well, he's a hero, right? Because he's the yeah, one I that can't remember Jenner. his name either. I'm looking, the I'm bigger, looking at the, the list. bigger rat. Yeah, the bigger rat, and I can't remember um councilman mrs brisby jenner just yeah. anyway, is it timothy no that was no. one of the kids right yeah that was the sullivan sixth, was it sullivan possibly that could be it i think that i think that's it because the only we'll go other with that we'll go with sullivan <laughs> yeah because it's like because then it's like councilman one councilman two like yeah exactly but i think it was i think it was sullivan so yeah he's like going along he's like oh okay but then it's like well, wait a second like i i don't want to leave the rose bush but nicodemus like you're gonna kill nicodemus like nicodemus yeah. is good like nicodemus isn't bad and so you know jenner's this whole brutus you know this <laughs> betraying brutus and he's like and he's still he's trying to like jenner like when it comes time to cut the ropes um sullivan doesn't do it and jenner even like strikes him down right which is yep. really interesting it's always interesting that evil doesn't have friends you know what I mean? It's like agenda before anything else, you know, and that's, it's so telling. It's so telling of someone that is misintentioned or a system that is bad that like doesn't care when push comes to shove, like they're going to do what they're going to do. They don't care about well, And that's characteristic of us. Our instinct when we're feeling a primary emotion like mm -hmm. fear, shame, aloneness, um, uh, inadequacy, our, our initial reaction to that is a secondary emotion like 
anger mm-hmm. or or mm-hmm. one of the four horsemen like criticizing poking at mm-hmm. others we push away stone right yeah and mm-hmm. and it's interesting because i think i think it's so it drives disconnection yeah and that's an example of like our own lives right and of course yeah there's this other part too with with evil and what evil can do or or whatnot, but I feel like within our own lives, that's what we do is we mm-hmm. drive people away. And that was really interesting to me with this Jenner character. If he mani- if he represents the brain and what our brain wants to do, which is stay in status quo, stay with the resist the same, that the, difficult yes. change, that sacrifice, that work. And, Let's just yeah. stay where we're at. And Nicodemus well, is, is saying hey, there's, um, we're robbing, right? We're robbing. Well, in my mind, what that movie is saying is we're robbing ourselves mm-hmm. of the potential for resilience to be built when we don't allow that connection. progression to happen and that yeah. discomfort to happen. And it's really a cool thing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I'm sorry, I, I, I jumped in, but I think it's really no, interesting yeah. because what you're describing out in an outside world, I think also applies to us sure. in our individual lives. And it's so neat how things to me, how things can connect in so many different ways. Yeah. Right. Well, and it, it really hit both. me today. It, this concept really hit me today. I, I had a, a really, um, you know, a really tough couple I'm working with today. Mm-hmm. And, and we were talking about, you know, these ideas of relationship dynamics and them coming together They're yeah. you know, they're contemplating divorce and, uh, and, it really struck me how to make a relationship work, it requires you to become a better person. Hmm. Like you have to be able to learn to forgive. Hmm. You have to learn to be gracious. You have to learn to be patient, even if this loved one of yours is rearing some ugliness or some, sure. or some of these secondary emotions you know, to be patient and wade through that, you know, I don't think people should put up with things that are abusive or whatever, of course, but, but, you know, but it, it just really strikes me that, <clears throat> that the real blessing of doing the work of a relationship calls forth a requirement for you to be a better person. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's symbolized here, you know, like Thorn Valley, you know, suggests difficulty you know, it's it, it prickliness, you know, yeah. um, and, and to travel there, you know, on that journey mm-hmm. of uncertainty, instead of having the electricity and the ease and the, and the benefit that comes from this subsistence, which is, you know, done what they've, you know, become morally, uh, is wrong or, or, you know, beneath them, they're, they're striving to a, another, state of being so so yeah i think that's i think it's really interesting and and it is right because when you're faced with that opportunity that's really the human like do you go forth with courage into uncertainty and and um and unknowingness or do you get stuck you know and 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 and, and do you double down so much in that stuckness that you'll murder your friend 
and and your you know your or your relationship gracious, right? <laughs> yeah or your relationship or your gracious yeah. leader mm-hmm. or your relationship with your friend and your gracious mm-hmm. leader that you'll throw that under the bus because you don't want to grow right and that's really true man like relationships yeah. you know that require or challenge you you know like even in ours we you know where we had a you know an argument that one time like that required us both to be better people towards one another to continue, you know, whatever we're doing in our friendship. Right. And it's like, people can turn away from that and there can really be a separation or a breakdown, or you turn towards that because you love the other person and see the good. And you know, that you have something that they need, that you need to grow or it needs to change. And you're aware and working Mm -hmm. on that. Right. Like, I think that's really, and so people shut down or wall up or do one of the things, the four horsemen of Gottman, or, or they do the work, you know, which is scary and terrifying. And, and that's the thing that's so cool in this, in this movie, because there's so much danger, you know, there's like these eight or 10 different metaphors of danger. And every time it requires courage to go forward in the face of that. And I think it's yeah. really interesting. And, I, and I'm curious if you have further thoughts on what the medallion represents, right? Like, you know, I read the quote, you know, and it's, it's this notion that it glows or is activated by courage. And so what do you think that is? What do you, you know, it's cause it's, it's almost like, it's almost like this, um, this treaty on when we go forth with courage, we need something beyond ourselves. For me, what do you, what, I don't know, like what acting courageously, I think is a realization of who I am and what that means, right? So seeing so you think, past you're, are you the shame, seeing are you past su- the inadequacies to who I am. Don't don't you think that comes a, after the courageous act, though? Not not in that moment, because usually in the moment when you act, I don't know if people act with that intellectual awareness. For me, know, the think? emblem represents the realization. Oh, I got that. you. Okay. Oh, because okay. because I feel like that is what is happening is she's realizing that she is more than what she thought she was. And in doing that has the power to, to really connect with and, and the emblem thing and then lift the house out of the mud. Mm-hmm. And so I think that emblem is, is what happens uh, or is a representation of our realization of, of who we are. And I think of that's where the real power comes in life, right? When we mm. really can see past our shame and it's the power in relationship healing too. When we can, when we can manage our shame wall appropriately, we can then hear and be with the person that we love. But when we can't manage that shame wall, that gets mm-hmm. in the way and all that yeah. happens is secondary emotion. Yeah, just responses. anger, yeah. fiery responses, breakdown. And then fights, can you repeat yeah. the, the part you were just saying? Because I think, I think you were saying something about... Um, I think maybe you're misunderstanding kind of where I was going with the... No, yeah. I was, yeah I was, well, but was yeah, there something I, that I was missing that you were talking about? Oh, I was just, I was just, I was just like pushing back on the idea that people act out of the awareness, but no, I, I uh, get okay. that you're saying that the, that the medallion represents the act, 
the uh, the calling into action that belief, I suppose, right? Is yeah, that, is because that I think all of those things building up to that point are part of her starting to come to realization, right? She's not mm -hmm. there yet. But then when she gets to the realization point, that's when she's able to like hook into the power of the medallion. Yeah. So, so that, so that brings me to what, to me, it's this manifestation of grace, right? Mm, it's the manifestation cool. of yeah. pulling divine or friendship support if you don't want to go with you know divine or god or whatever to me it's because like you're doing all you can do like mm -hmm. they did all they could do it was this crisis moment the kids are going to die and drown in the mud and like they've done all they can do and so she reaches out courageously um and and actuates the fulfillment or she pulls grace into her life to save and save the that's, kids and to move that's like awesome. i think yeah. i just i think it's this like it's i've got i've done all i can i'm courageously going face i've and 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 it's interesting too because that kind of grace isn't activated with anything with dragon right she gets caught the medallion yeah. left there yeah. and she's stuck in the cage she's trapped yeah. in the cage right and she's like i gotta get out here's this information and they're gonna move my kids and and she's and still not coming tomorrow true potential yet right, right. yeah and i think not actualized beautiful thing about what you're saying i think is the same thing i'm saying right is oh absolutely is yeah. to really accept grace we have or to, to believe let or our to believe. shame wall down yes or, right? or to believe that it will be there because yeah. i think that's the thing like david facing off goliath uh you know the marvel superheroes facing off against whoever like you stand up and you stand up with you know people around you you bring your garner your support all the knowledge you have to bear and you go forward into the uncertainty of this moment, yeah. needing something beyond yourself, right? Isn't that mm -hmm. a common thing that like magic or grace or support uh, comes from out of nowhere and you're saved, right? I mean, that's a yeah. common metaphor when people put themselves out there. And I think this movie does such a great job of the buildup of that. And and the, the medallion becomes... Um, the personification of of pulling that grace um into the world and that magic and it's still mysterious and i still feel like there's more there to kind of unpack you know because of because we don't know where this medallion comes from you know nicodemus wants you know maybe i wonder if there's a correlation from you know the fact that she's been left a widow because it's like a gift to her but I don't think he says that it was Jonathan's. Yeah, I was trying wants... to think about that earlier. I don't think it was Jonathan's. But Jonathan was definitely a key player, right? He came from Nim just like they did. He was able to save them by getting out. And then he would do the dragon medicine for them also. Um, mm. But I don't think... I can't remember. Maybe there was something about the. I don't think there was. On, I think. I, I think it's. Remember. I think it's just. I think it's just mysterious. I think it's just this object that's there, that's a part of that mysterious world. Because I mean, there's no, there's no explanation for Nicodemus like writing without writing. You know, as he like yeah. talks, and his, you know, and this magical thing is happening. I think it's just this, this potential of you know that they had tapped into. I think it's a. I think it's a manifestation of this point that we were talking earlier about how Nicodemus obviously had progress to a greater level and 
he as the leaders of the rats was trying to call them forth too. And obviously sure. Jonathan was a part of that. The owl is a part of that society. You know, they've got the red eyes, the medallions red, right? There's like, it's like this, there's like this secret knowledge that they've gained, you know, which mm-hmm. is maybe a part of being committed to this moral code of like, you're not being a steal. You know, like, like if we're going to progress, we can't live off of someone else. Like that's yeah. stealing. It's wrong. We've got to, we've got to get to the next you know, stage of progression as a community or a society or, or, you know, you can take it back inside and I have to, you know, like, that's what, I mean, right. I mean, like, that's what you learn growing up. Like at different times you're like, Oh, I'm doing this and you feel okay about it. And then you're like, wait a second, like, this is wrong. Like, I can't do this. This is like, I got to change, you know? Yeah. And a lot of times to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot of times like that means you have to sacrifice something or give something up or, you got to go face a dragon. Like, I love that the name of the cat is dragon because like, that's the metaphor that I like to use of facing off against the different, like it's the dragon. Like you have to go face the dragon. The thing that clearly is more powerful than you, like a mouse and dragon that there's no, (laughs) you're done. Like, you know, unless you can be trickster and sneak around and get another thing and give them poison or not poison, sleeping medicine. Like, it's going to eat you like, yeah. You know, and there are real dragons out there that will eat you alive, you know? Sure. And I think, it, yeah, I think that there are a lot of really neat uh, just themes to pull from this. And I, yeah, I think the grace one is a really neat one. And when we relate it to our own lives, I think it really applies because we, in order for us to progress, especially when I'm working with clients, I find that real progression starts to happen when they're able to tell the difference between their um, shame cycle, their attachment cycle, and and <clears throat> and what's like really happening with them, right? So instead of them viewing themselves as bad or wrong because they're doing that's something, rejecting, yeah, rejected. they're they're realizing, wait, no, that's the shame. That's not Mm -hmm. me. Or that wasn't me. You know, the fact that my parent abused me or my parent left me, you know, because even, I mean, right. Like, I mean, how many clients have you had that when they were young, their parent died and they, they feel like there's something wrong with them, you know, that they were left alone. Isn't that interesting? Like something that's completely out of anybody's control. Well, and it, and it doesn't even have to be something like that. It could be that you had a mom that had certain expectations, which there's nothing wrong with that. But the way that child viewed those expectations created insurmountable a, or yeah, created yeah, unachievable. A, a perspective that I'm inadequate. I cannot do what I'm supposed to do. Therefore, yeah, how can happening. I actually be lovable? Right. And then that translates to later in life, a husband decides, uh, you know, I'm going to go and, and hang out with my buddies. Cause I just need a break instead of hang out with my wife. And, and she views that as well, of course, because I'm not enough. And did the husband mean anything by that? Maybe not no, all. not at all. Right. Not but all, it's yeah. a trauma and it's an injury and it's that rhetoric. It's so funny that you that said, builds. cause the couple I was working with today, that was like, anytime this, this, the, the husband would take a step back. It was just her abandonment trauma would just and it's real, go right? insane. Oh, it was it's so real. real. It's so real. And the beautiful thing is, is that once that, once they're able to see and understand a little bit better what 
it's why it's happening, what's happening, and start to see that, wait, that that's not me. Yeah, that's, that's the not attachment. Real. That's not that's real. the injury. Yeah, then and, the and then grace starts to come in, yeah, right? Where they can right. start to love themselves. Well, again. well, that's just it, right? They initiate the grace by cultivating the resilience for the emotional discomfort, which is why I'm all about mm-hmm. the five R's and um, five. C's. Sorry, the five C's. I think you're like cracking my own thing. Like you know, the five C's <laughs> is because like you you know that to me the five C's is about cultivating this sense of 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 tolerance for emotional discomfort right because all the bad things happen when we can't tolerate the emotional discomfort which i think what is justifiable which is justifiable it's completely justifiable that it feels like death and emotionally impossible to manage the emotional discomfort of the button being like totally fair but we still we have to do it anyway because if we don't we fall into doing the negative four horsemen or we push people away or we attack or we become a ferocious monster that eats everything around you because you're acting off of this trauma that happened over here and you're projecting it like maybe your husband did do something that was insensitive but that's like on a scale of one to ten is a two but you're feeling it a 10 because it's hitting the button of the trauma you're not like putting it in perspective right and so then you're responding like he's the abuser you know and maybe he did something that was really unkind and jerky but he didn't do that and he's not responsible you know, or the person that hurt you, you know, like when my wife was emotionally inattentive because she was tired and worn out because she was chasing four kids and, and my buttons were pushed, like, was she being inattentive? Like maybe she was a little bit like, but I was feeling it well out of proportion to the, the moment of that day. You know what I mean? And, and I'm jumping all of that hurt onto the relationship in that instance and acting like it's this betrayal, horrible thing, but it's like, dude, like it. Cause like, your body's going it. into survival. Yeah, mode. exactly. Central right. nervous systems yes. engaging yep. for something that's sympathetic right. nervous yeah. systems and, and where that trauma is trapped in the body, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it, it, you know, and that's a part of the process of developing tolerance for discomfort is learning to manage that so that you are, you're decisive in your relational engagement versus reactive. And I think that's a cool thing that therapists do is bring an understanding and awareness to what's happening and why it's happening, Yeah, which I've found. Well, and that's the journey. That's the journey that we've got to take responsibility for, right? Yeah. And and I've found that when I've gone to therapy for myself, that that has been oh so helpful in in the mm-hmm. past and and i remember i did i did i don't know how many sessions 10 15 sessions of eft mm-hmm. and that i felt like really really taught me one it helped me personally but it taught me as a therapist how to one be more empathetic and understanding mm-hmm. but also to see that with those that come in there aren't bad or good there's pain or not pain or or uh, um um uh, ignoring pain or being in pain right and both are things that are causing causing really the 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 
gist of the issue. And yet so many people come in thinking they're bad or right. the partner's bad. Right. I'm right. They're wrong. And, right. and really doing the therapy and doing that EFT work yeah. really helped me to see that, no, what's happening is we're all in pain and we're yeah. not recognizing or understanding where it's coming for, from and, and why. Or, or, or we don't know how to get it right. I think, I think evil or, or, you know, um, it, or bad is manifested when we have an understanding and we say, screw you and do it anyway. I think, I think that's where it starts to go from just pain and complication and misunderstanding and growth. I think, when evil manifests its head and evil becomes evil is when it gives way to resentment and the resentment voice, um, you know, is preyed upon and fed. And then you listen to and indulge that secondary emotion voluntarily, you know, when olive branches are offered or opportunities for growth and you smack them away because you're so full of of that resentment and pain and hurt. Because I think there is so choices there in that. Um, mm -hmm. And I think and fear so is there and I think choices are there. evil. I don't but think a person is evil though. I think that they I didn't I didn't say a person. In, I, th I think that's when it manifests choices. Yeah, when it manifests. Yeah. And I think that that's what's really cool about therapy is that when we see that person, right? When we see mm -hmm. that person, we see the the trauma and the pain. Absolutely. Now, is that person able to heal it? Because we can only, I mean, we can only give them the tools, the right? opportunity, do it. the create and and or the opportunity in the therapeutic relationship, yeah. right? And yeah. I think that's where it's, I think that's where it's hard is that you'll have people come in and you'll see the pain, you'll see that and you'll see them doing things, right? Making choices that aren't good. Or the, or they stop, right? How many times do yeah, they end yeah. the therapy? Because yep. the window of tolerance, or they don't want to see it, or they don't want to see what part is them, yep. or or they can see that there's something different to do, but that feels too hard. And so then they'll like just shut it down. And it's know, a really tough it. thing because you you're basically asking this person who has risked in the past and had it go wrong to essentially risk again with you. Yeah. And that's yeah, a really hard really tough thing to ask. And, and so I, we're getting off on a tangent a little bit now, but I that's think right. it's really interesting because that's what I see, especially me going through therapy. I feel like it's made me more in tune with seeing that in people, because yeah. I feel like at times in sure, my career, sure, 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 sure. it's been easy for me, especially if I get burned out to be like, yeah, to oh, this person is just, or, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. they've got, well, they've got it's still, wrong. and it's still very relevant to what we're talking about because to do the work, it takes courage yeah. because the outcome is uncertain. Like, mm -hmm. is grace going to be there? Because some of the times when Mrs. Brisby courageously went forth, the grace wasn't there. It yeah. wasn't there. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like she got trapped, like she got trapped and was imprisoned as yeah. she courageously went forward. And, and Justin needed to get out of there, not because he was abandoning her. He said, I'm going to come back. But like he was concerned about her kids and yep. he knew that she would have wanted him to go be there to help move the kids, which is a good thing he was there, right? Which took a you ton know, of courage on his part because I'm sure he yeah. didn't want to just leave her. No, of course right? he didn't. Justin's that would a be good tough. Figure. 
yeah so he's a good figure but it was like he was acting yeah like a husband let's say to mm -hmm. be like well i care about you but we both care about the kids more so i they're more innocent and we need to go sacrifice and you're gonna have to stay here in prison i'm gonna have to leave you here yeah. because i've got to go see to these kids like they are the most vulnerable and you know and i need in, to be there in in relationships right we have these things happen and something like that can easily be viewed as a betrayal Oh, it, it is. It for some me, people, right? it is. Yes. And, and, for some and people, the beautiful is. thing about this is that as we can uncover and we can heal these traumas, we can start the, the clients, the, the, the husbands, the wives, the people, or if it's individual, they start to see other love, things. right? Yes. Right. And, and they don't see as much as the Trauma, betrayal. betrayal and sometimes there is real and sometimes there betrayal, is yeah, sometimes right? yes and absolutely. so that that yes. can be healed also but but it may not be healed in a, a, a relationship coming back together right because there needs to well, be some well sometimes there's else, an individual sometimes there's somebody that's in a, an individual they become aware of all these things they courageously do make themselves vulnerable and yeah. the person continues to betray them and so they yeah. really do need to make a boundary in the relationship and say I'm sorry, I'm trying to put myself forward and you're not changing and growing with me. And so we have to and separate. There needs to be a separation. To my point earlier, right? When sometimes courage means saying no, when everyone's saying yes, where you might have mm -hmm. people saying, stay in it, do more, do more for the relationship. And maybe courage is no, this mm -hmm. is enough. Yeah. And, and I I've need done to all I can move do. on. And that can That's be hard really in certain cultures. Well, and I think too, yes, it can. And I think too, like, you know, I was making this point about, you know, what could be seen as an evil act and you differentiated from the idea of, well, they're not bad. And I totally oh, sure. agree. Mm -hmm. And I have no judgments. I have no judgments if a person is, good or bad that I don't sure. feel like that's my place to I mean Me I can too. assess I the situation I can assess yeah. the situation and make my own decision about the situation and I try to empower my clients to make their own decision about yeah. the situation because they have to manage that I have to manage my own and and we have the right to decide to mm -hmm. stay in something or get out and that's not mine and I and I think it's really essential and I think it's one of the things that's going on nowadays in pop culture and all the hating that's going back and forth that people are making final decisions about people because of something that comes out from the past that was ugly and gross, but maybe they've really progressed yeah. and they're not that person anymore. You know what I mean? This is the really difficult. <laughs> there thing. lies pop culture. Well, this is <laughs> that's the, kind thing of the that's, history. Like it's always well, been that way. And it's it, well, and it's well, because I've been, I've been thinking that, you know, there's so much cancel culture stuff going on. And I've been thinking about this, you know, this fan of, of a person that I am, that's, I won't bring it up. Cause I want to sure. be like, but like, this person's like kind of being canceled or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, man, if my, if Alexa can record everything I say, <laughs> two Alexas in the house and somebody decide Google decided to pull and like create a montage, like a two yeah, minute montage wouldn't, wouldn't of all of my me. worst parenting <laughs> moments or worst argument moments. And there was no context. And it was just yeah. like, when I said something ugly to my kid, or I said something ugly, like I would be absolutely morally destroyed or my worst moments as a therapist. Like I've said, I've yeah. said completely stupid and terrible things in therapy <laughs> sessions. Like I have, like, I mean, I have, you know, I've progressed as a therapist and yeah. I've said some dumb you things. You have to say some stuff to, in order to learn, right? There, there's 
Well, just, I mean, moment. it's just, you're just, yeah, well, it's like, there's no helping that. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. we have, like, I have two interns, you know, and there's no helping that. Like they yeah. have to learn to become just like a doctor that's doing surgery for some, I'm sure there's been things that doctors have screwed up and like, we want to all pretend that that's not real. Like, come on, man. It's a reality. Yeah. Like it's, and they're learning, like, it's not okay, but like, no, but you know, you want your surgery to go right. And for it to be that, but like, they're going to mess up, man. Like yeah. it's like, and they work to be the best that they can. And we expect that of them, but you know, so yeah. So I, you know, my heart goes out to, you know, I, I just, I don't think cancel culture is a good idea because it, it's, it's, it's because to me, it's like, okay, if you're going to cancel somebody on a two minute montage of some of the worst things they've said, are you prepared? to face that same thing. It's like, are you like, is that really like, you're going to get behind that? Because to me, if you're going to like, you live by the sword, if you're going to like, if that's the sword you're going to wield, then it has to come back on you too. And it's just like, no, thanks. Like I'm out. Yeah. The whole cancel culture thing's a little weird. I mean, I feel like it's kind of like, it's always been where, well, sure, where sure, something sure. will get canceled, yeah. but then it lasts for like a year or two. And then all know. of a sudden the yeah. person's back again. Back. Like the, yeah, there's the all, full there's house the lady, right. Where she was, she was canned. And then now she's back on the show. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, it happens all the time. Right. Like, and like yeah, some people are allowed like, to yeah. be redeemed and some are, but, but I'm just saying like, we, maybe we just need to like step. I'm not saying, and I think people should be held accountable for bad behavior. Like, I'm not saying like that I people, what know, I at hear all. you like, saying I think they should. is on like our individual levels, just not just thinking about celebrities, but in right. those that we interact with in our own yes. relationships, how are we, how are we striving to learn and grow and understand what's going on with us and also what's going on with the person we're interacting with and understanding that sometimes we may get triggered or feel hurt, but oh, that was not the intention and being and some, able to process sometimes it wasn't it. sometimes it wasn't and sometimes it was sometimes, it, sometimes was. Yeah, it was yeah for sure and that's where <laughs> and that's where you we have to make boundaries you yeah. know address the situation if somebody will apologize and will recognize that that yeah. you, they can't do that to you in a relationship then we can progress and move forward and heal and grow and that's where we have to just make boundaries you know we yep. have to just make boundaries with things and it's it's complicated and hard and it all still comes back to the secret of nim because <laughs> It's it takes courage. It does. So I have what a is couple, the, so what so what is ahead. the secret of Nim? The oh, I don't even think that just hit me right now. Like what Nim? is Nim's what is Nim's secret? Well, I think Nim's secret are the rats, right? These these genetically modified rats that have become super rats and super mice. I think that's the secret of Nim. Interesting. I'm gonna have to ponder that one a little bit. But keep going. What, Go are, what are the other points? So here's you want to make? here's a couple. Of things. So NIM is the National Institute of Mental Health. Mental Health, yeah, right. Nice. Which I thought I think is interesting. So I have a question on that. And then I have okay. a question on um uh is it Justin is the rat the good guy dude? that helps yeah. her? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So I have a question on him and uh, you know, it seems like they could be like a love interest, and you're like, Oh, oh I think so. maybe but then he just leaves. <laughs> And becomes the leader, right? So he's gone to the. Well, no, there's the a reference at the orange. very end of the movie. What was there's, it? I don't remember. There's a slight reference of like I gave it to her, and there's fondness in her voice. Yeah, she like, said she gave like, him the 
the, the and maybe they'll see each other again was that yeah kind there's of, there's oh, a re- okay. there's a real warmness in her voice that suggests the courtship is uh, that's what i always so believe, maybe they'll still know. have interaction yeah. or whatever yeah the- well and it's too bad i don't i don't think i ever watched the second movie because i knew it wasn't going to be any good i never watched secret because i just read something when i was looking oh, up i don't think medallion. i knew there was a second there one. is there is oh. it's about it's about tim it's about Timothy, but I but I even read oh. like that the medallion is in here. I'm like, well, if they took the medallion out, then they're not playing oh, to the team. I think it's probably just like the characters and just some other story. Maybe it's a story of his I'm progression. Have to check that out. Character. Yeah, I feel like my son really liked it, and he always said that I should watch it. But to me, it like it never went to the theaters. So it's like, is it a serious movie or was it they're just trying to do a knockoff? Oh, Ralph you know? Macchio plays the voice of seventeen-year-old Tim. Ah, that makes me want to watch it more because uh, I love. And it's still got a lot it. of the same people. William H Macy plays Justin. Well, that's cool. Maybe I'll check Let's it see out. Any other? Yeah, but the medallion's not in it. The, that's not in. That's not a theme. It's the missing. So all right. So, so my second what question. Was your question. So which so, oh, mine was just like what happened with it. I thought there'd be something. Oh, I think so. Just like yeah. gone. But what it was the like, one yeah, you asked before that? Oh, you said something so, about the National Institute. Yeah. Of- so I thought this was interesting. I'm wondering what your thoughts are. Um, kind of towards the beginning of the movie, the farmer's wife makes a comment to the husband about, oh, NIM call or the National Institute of Mental Health called again, asking about the rats. And she kind of made this comment like, um, have you noticed anything? Uh, they're asking if we noticed anything. Yeah. Is there something like, like crazy going on? Um, you know, are they like, oh, she's made kind of this derogatory comment. And I, I heard this and I kind of thought, you know, how culturally there's kind of this fear, right, of mental health. Like if someone, oh. if someone has a mental health issue or if they have to go to a state psychiatric facility or they're going to therapy, then, then that there's something wrong. That's like, like a negative, like there's a negative yeah. connotation. Did you catch that at all? Like I, I well, that would be more relevant to the eighties than 2020 sure. for sure. Right? I think there it's was still, more... still relevant, but definitely a whole different ball game in the eighties than it is now for sure. Oh yeah. It was definitely for seen sure. as like a hiss and a byword. But and did a you, did you catch that at all? Or did you not? You may not have. I well, just thought it, it was definitely, an Well, commentary. I mean, I think, I think them, I mean, definitely um, naming, uh, like, I mean, NIM is is seen as as bad, right? Because they're yeah. experimenting on rats. So, well, it even like even that scene where they're where Nicodemus is telling the story, you know, there's all this, you, you know, it's there's no respect for life or whatever of the animals, and so really what what it is is like it seems like a subconscious commentary or conscious commentary on that there is a nefarious aspect of mental health right like they're experimenting yeah. on you which you know with it was true at one point i mean especially in early days with a lot of lack of understanding right and and i mean institutionalization deinstitutionalization uh you know there's definitely a history there to to base that off of i mean there's plenty of movies um but i find a lot of people's conception of like going to a psychiatric hospital or a mental hospital however they might refer to it is quite inaccurate most of the time oh yeah right yeah they don't they have no yeah the average person has no accurate perception of the role of residential treatment Mm -hmm. in society and really 
you know, I mean, honestly, you know, when you look at data, and I've, I've, I've contemplated this, I've, I've looked into it, I've, I've listened to a lot of different professionals talk about it. Like when, when government institutions, which there was, I'm sure a lot of yucky, nefarious, gross yeah, stuff going on I'm sure. with this more mortal, with this marginalized population, but you didn't have homelessness quite like you did after all the institutions went away. Yeah. You know, with deinstitutionalization. Yeah. Really I mean, like the reality is, is mm-hmm. a good number of individuals, not all of them, of course, the people that are homeless are deeply disturbed individuals that really need, you know, care. Cause it's either like we provide support and care. So there's some sense of stability or they're, you know, they're on the street and, and really, you know, are completely uh, in a vulnerable position, you know, vulnerable to, to disease and weather and you know rape and you know being taken mm-hmm. advantage of and who knows i mean it's not good you know what i mean so so i think it's unfortunate that instead of eliminating institutions they didn't work more to re- to reform them so that that whatever horrible things were happening in them stop happening you know well, um, I, think I think that's unfortunate we've definitely have come a long way in that our understanding of really kind of the rap mentality involving systems, right? Involving family when appropriate can really lead to healing. Maybe not always have it be um, uh, inpatient, but having like a partial hospitalization setting or an intensive outpatient, right? Where, Mm -hmm. where there's a combination of the two, but you're also involving friends or family support. Well, the problem becomes is when you've got a person that's doesn't have that and they're, you know, they're persistently, um, and significantly, you know, mentally ill, you know, yeah. it's, it's really, I mean, they're unfortunately, Definitely. You know, I've, I've seen scenarios, I've had clients, I've worked in some of those settings and well, they got get severely stuck in persistently, the system, right. Where they're rotating yeah. in and out, they don't in have and out anybody. of programs because there isn't, yeah. there's not no. institutionalization no. anymore where you, you know, where there's not a long term. Well, and they don't have family system, you know, family support systems and yeah. they're really disturbed, you know, I yeah. mean, like it's very complicated. It is very complicated. It is, there is no easy solution. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I've had some brushes with, um, particularly back in Philadelphia, you know, there was a, quite a few different cases, you know, as an emergency emerging professional and interacting with people that were deeply schizophrenic and really being like, oh, gosh, like, what do you do? Like, you know, they're on medication and getting psychiatric treatment and, you know, and yeah. talk therapy, like, you know, when somebody's deeply schizophrenic and escalated, you know, there's no like, you know, that Why? that because they're so they're in fight or flight, right? So they're not getting into their frontal lobe. And because of their trauma, they're just all over the place. And there's obviously yeah. a physiological issue at play. And then there's nobody. And, you know, they they might not be like violent, like they're gonna hurt anybody, but they violently respond to attempts and overtures of of just trying to create safety. I mean, there was one woman that we worked with. And um, I, I worked therapeutically with her and I was connected to a church supportive environment and, and she had her own apartment and she was terrified to live in there. She had all this, you know, schizophrenic, um, you know, escalation around, you know, that it wasn't people were watching her and all that. And so she was living in her car and it was really bad. Like she mm. was hoarding in her car and, and like her dad who was aging and, and not able to be more involved because of his age 
and but he had like set up and like had an apartment for it and we were just trying to work with her to like like go in her apartment and she would you know she'd park in the church parking lot and she would she was getting constantly or like arrested or kicked out because she kept going to some like public you know like a supermarket parking yeah lot. and it was really and then like they were very like not people but people that kind of knew her family or whatever really trying to work with her and figure out a way to help her because she was getting sick it was cold it was the winter you know she didn't have gas it was the car was like falling apart you know and they were like trying to keep the car yeah. running it was really complicated it was not it like people amazing. were really trying to help you know they were really trying to help and it's like you know, and they would put her in an in like, and so she, and she, and part of the problem was, is like, she wouldn't take meds, Yeah. you know? And so she was all like when she, when she'd take meds, she was pretty reasonable, but she would get paranoid and not want to take the meds. And so, you know, they would try to like work with her and like, you know, they didn't want to like, you know, uh, I, I forget the, uh, this is horrible. I'm forgetting the term that we use 302 or whatever the code is to like, institutionalize someone against their will you know yeah, depending on the state there's yeah it's terms. different so like yeah. you know they don't want to do that against her will like hey come on go to treatment and they can help you like settle down and and you know get kind of back more into your rational mind or whatever and it was gosh it was so it was hard man it was just hard and it yeah. was just so emotionally I, overwhelming i remember my first therapy that i ever did like first therapeutic experience I worked at, and this was in 2006. So going back quite a ways, I worked in a partial hospitalization program or PHP at a hospital. Mm -hmm. uh, for those that, of you that don't know what a PHP is, it's like intensive outpatient, uh, but probably more intensive. Uh, so it's, you know, eight to five Monday through Friday, the program would had a bus would go and pick up the individuals from their homes, bring them. They would be at the program from eight to five. They'd eat to there, um, do all do other their, learn basic yeah, individual tasks, things. Yeah, to do. everything. Maybe a, some working environments or whatever. Yeah, and then they would be driven home mm -hmm. and dropped off, and you couldn't miss. Like it, you had to be in it. And and this was a program where you had to have a certain. Uh, diagnosis. So you had to be schizoaffective, schizophrenia, or major depressive disorder. Uh, you had to be on Medicare. You know, there's all these limitations. And yet these people, I mean, you watch a movie where they have like, you know, the old term, like a sanitarium or a, a, a psychotic hospital, you know, or these older movies where you see these people that are like shuffling or they've got scars over their neck, right? Or they're just thousand yards stare, it, man. They've or they can't it. say. And that's what was in yeah. this program. And yeah. I remember we'd work and it was such a neat thing because you'd have them there every day. They couldn't escape it, right? We would go to their house and get them. Like they, <laughs> they had to come. We'd really help intensive. administer medication. We had nurses that yeah. did that. Make sure they and, took them out. And you would see such tiny tiny progress and it was beautiful you learned patience in this program for sure oh, as a therapist yeah. but then usually that. around the year mark we had to we had to release them because medicare wouldn't continue to support wouldn't it pay for more and than we a didn't year. have funding like oh, how could we do it? Awful. We we had to have, and these you know it wasn't a great pain. And how much more useful would it be? So I really was converted like to, um, because so many homeless 
end up using drugs, right? Because it's such a horrible existence and so they're trying to medicate themselves. And and typically when people are in really difficult um, or, you know, deeply emotionally disturbed, they'll self-medicate, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you know, how much better would it be to take the hundreds of billions of dollars on the war on drugs and do yeah <laughs> there's a lot of so, questions right, like that that i yeah, ask like, right that i'm like uh, oh my goodness <laughs> i just uh, we don't have but to, it gets wanna, into the black i don't want to be a poli- i don't want abyss. this to be a political podcast at all but, but yeah, I, it's just, I really yeah, it's found tough, that man. like i thought about these things as i saw just that little scene right uh, with the the mom reacting in, or the the wife reacting in fear to the national institute of mental health calling yeah. and asking about the rats <laughs> oh. right there must be something wrong with these rats like what's wrong with them i think she said something like that so it's almost so it's almost like the rats were the mental patients yes and i think we view mental health still with the light of fear let much much less fear i love it the longer i've been a therapist and i'm sure you've seen the same thing the longer we've been in this field the easier it has become to do our jobs but because we're not fighting as much stigma but it's still the reverse side of that is Is we're busy as heck well no no i'm (laughs) fine with that is the um crap what's the what right word there's a word i'm trying to grab it's um when we're uh when we're stigmatizing or diagnosing normal life struggle and then sure. we call it a mental illness. Like there's a lot sure. of over diagnosis, diagnose, di, diag, over treatment, or times where somebody is seen or thinks of themselves as mentally ill, but it's just normal life. Distress. Well, I think that's when you get into um, the difference of counseling. And, and so this is going to be a little semantic, right? So sure. counseling to me is not therapy. Counseling yeah, is what someone does with someone when they're offering advice or recommendations. Therapy or you're working through something like a loss, like yeah. a death. And well, like depending on what you do, I mean, that could be counseling, yeah. but if you're implementing a therapeutic modality in yeah. helping that person move forward, that's therapy to me. And Got so it. for me, yeah, I feel point. like, good to, great I feel to like it's also important for me as a therapist to educate my client on, Hey, yeah, I, I, I see that you have this pain that you're going through. But I don't see this as if we're going to use DSM-4 terms, right? I don't see this as an axis one diagnosis or an axis two. I see this as like a transition thing where let's do some counseling together and maybe we'll use some therapy here or there, but more so this is about life transition, life adjustment and gaining tools. And then then I see where there is a diagnosis and, and that involves oftentimes a thorough treatment plan with therapeutic models involved in that, in the progression of the client. And I think that education is important for us as professionals to do. And I think that's why for me, a licensed professional is important because I feel that a licensed person is potentially more educated to explain those things. Not all licensed professionals do that, but I feel like that's our responsibility because you do have life coaches and I'm not saying life coaches are bad, but they're not licensed nor are they required to be trained in therapeutic interventions, which I think it's important to understand the difference between counseling and therapy. And that's why I would say, yeah. And I'm fine. I'm fine with people paying other people to coach them if they feel like they want to. Like to me, it's like, 
you can pay people to do stuff like that if you want. As long you as pay it's just, people to you know, do whatever you want, I don't care. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, people do. Like, we're America. <laughs> yeah. It's like America, do what you want. Do you want to pay somebody to do that and talk to you? Like, go right ahead, man. Just to understand, just to understand the what the difference is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and that is the difference is that we have therapeutic um modalities and you know treatment protocols that you know hopefully have some good research behind them and have shown to work over time, you know, versus. Well, and we're bound by licensing, uh, state licensing boards, which do regulate, right. which, mm-hmm. which, you know, when you get in, that's the difference you get into also when you talk about a certification or someone who's certified in some something compared to someone who is licensed in something. Right. There's a difference between a yeah. license and a certification. Which people and, and, and the general public doesn't have a good understanding because they don't have yeah. any idea of the difference between an LCSW. And a lot of times it probably doesn't yeah. matter yeah. for like most yeah. things in life. Yeah. But yeah, I think that when it comes to kind of what we're talking about with stigma and mental health and getting proper treatment, you know, there are times where I will tell someone, Hey, you probably could go and and do this or that. You don't necessarily need me as a professional to help you with this uh, thing yeah and i feel yeah. like that's part of or just please, ethical consideration or, or me and and i love you doctors out there but for me when i talk to my clients and they're considering medication or have been on medication i'll i'll say are you seeing a psychiatrist like i appreciate that your yeah. doctor made the suggestion please go see a psychiatrist because that's all they do the doctors have um, you know, the, the script powers and they can write them, but I strongly encourage you to work with a psychiatrist on these medications. Cause that's all they do. And they're better at picking out the right ones versus doctors that treat colds 90%. Well, yeah. A doctor's gone through and done like a rotation, right. Or has done a rotation with on psychiatric a, yeah, work or, sure. or pharma psychology. But when yeah. it comes to a psychiatrist, they've, they've gone through and done their specialized four years or whatever it is of training in that all right man i gotta tie this up we've been fun diverted we diverted a little bit from us the secret of nims gosh such a good show i didn't even talk about how much i just freaking loved the animation and the music well we talked about the music but the animation just and the look and the feel like yeah the it's red yeah and the dark it just it all played into all yeah of so good i think i might watch it again their eyes are awesome oh, i love it yeah good it times my brother fun. thanks everyone for tuning in yeah. and joining us again it was fun like share comment yeah all that fun, fun stuff, stuff. <laughs> put us Get us in the algorithm, people. Yes, put us out in the universe <laughs> so that Disney can Thank, hire but us. But thanks for coming. <laughs> or keep it to yourself. And yeah, we're listening. fine with whatever. <laughs> Adios, everyone. Take care.